0: Welcome to Extremely Valid Points.
1: We're three business owners and friends who enjoy talking about business, marketing, and creativity. Along the way, we just might happen to make some extremely valid points.
0: So we'd love it if you would join us in today's conversation.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is episode 10, and we're gonna be talking about value-based pricing. And we're gonna be talking about pricing strategies and why value-based pricing is the best for both you and your client. Um, I'm, we're your co-hosts. I'm Nathan Sala.
0: I'm Jenny Sala.
2: And I'm Dave Wilkins.
1: Yeah, so this is episode 10. I can't believe that it's already episode 10. It seems like we just launched yesterday. <laughs> it does seem <laughs> that
2: way, yes.
0: That's probably because we did just launch yesterday, our first public podcast, and now we're recording. We're on our 10th episode that we're recording today.
1: Yep. <clears throat> so anyway, this is exciting. We're, we're glad you're here with us and we hope you enjoy today's show. So, uh, this is actually a follow up from a previous com- uh, podcast that we did called art and commerce. I believe it was, uh, it was episode four. And, uh, we talked about the nuances of being both an artist and a business person and selling your creative talents and services for cash on the street.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It be kind of tricky, right? Because sometimes we we think, you know, maybe our art is pure and we don't want to, you know, mingle money and art together sometimes. Or how do we figure out how much we should charge, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Right. Yeah. And so, and I think one of the most interesting, one of the interesting um, discussions that erupted in that episode was uh, the question of how do you, how do creatives price their work?
2: So, you know, as we kind of think about the the creative process and how we're going to actually charge and make a living, right, for the work that we do, there's a couple different models that are out there, right? We can charge for our time. We can, uh, you know, like an hourly rate or maybe have set fees for certain things that we do, right? But value-based pr- pricing is a little different than that, would you say? Is that right? How? Yeah. How, I mean, how should we price our work, right? Yeah, I
1: I think that's a really great question because some people say that pricing is the most important aspect of your business. Wow. Would you agree with that?
0: I think pricing is really important. Sometimes the price um, will decide whether or not you get the business. Um, and I've seen it work both ways for us. We have sometimes not gotten a deal because people thought we were priced too low and it was a red flag. And then there's been times when we didn't get the deal because they said our prices were too high compared to our competitors. So pricing is absolutely vital to like when it comes to trying to hit the mark.
1: Would you agree? It's the most, is it the most important aspect of your business
2: pricing? Yeah. Is pricing the most important? I, I don't know. I think it's critical. Um, and certainly could make or break whether you get a job, right? Yeah. Sure. Um, you know i think there are a lot of other factors that are important as well but but pricing you know could definitely be um a, a something that that keeps you from working with a particular client
0: and you know it can affect whether or not you get the deal but you know if you're not priced accurately it can affect whether or not you're profitable
2: yeah that's mm-hmm. true yep
0: if we underbid ourselves we could end up losing money and obviously that won't keep us in business
1: yeah, because some people can make the argument like your product is the most important, or your service, or your skill, or your marketing, or all of these other things. But you know, I, I, I do uh, on one one even if you have all that right, if your prices are all wrong,
2: that's true. You're not going to make it. Yeah, that I mean, that's very true. And I think it's interesting thinking about it in a service based uh, industry versus product because obviously there's a lot of fixed uh, costs with with product. But, um, you know, we only have a limited amount of time available, right? So that's kind of the um, the metric that we have to be able to make sure that we're really having a profitable business because we can't – you can't manufacture more time.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, and and most businesses and when people start their businesses, they sit down with their business partner or if you don't have a partner, you sit down with yourself and you ask, you know, what is our pricing strategy? And there's really only three answers. Um, Actually, there's probably hundreds. I don't know. There's probably hundreds of different pricing strategies, but I know about about three, exactly three strategies. Uh Um, And those are, uh, you know, number one, it's it's called cost plus pricing. And so basically what that means is you figure out the cost to produce something. Here's how much it costs. And then plus, I'm going to add a little bit extra on there for profit. And that's my strategy. That's my price. Now I have my price. So it's basically a very simple and it's probably maybe one of the most common pricing strategies. Um, The other one is um, competitor-based pricing. So this is when you know your competitor's prices and your pricing is based on their pricing. Because if you know your competitor's pricing, probably everybody else does too. So a good example of this would be like the 99 cent store everybody knows their price. Yes. And we were driving down the road one day and we saw a 98 cent store. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Which
0: both beat the dollar store. Yeah,
1: right. And so those are examples of, you know, I'm setting my price based on my competitor's price strategy. And so the third one is uh value-based pricing. And that means you are charging a fee that's based on how much value you are actually providing to the client.
2: So, um, so how does that work exactly?
1: So, you know, all three pricing strategies have their pros and cons, and and some of them. There's no, you know, depending on your business and all that. You know, it, it, it's, it, you know, it 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 could look different, and and you can't say that <clears throat> one is better than the other for a lot of different situations. But I think value based pricing is uh, probably the best if you're in a consulting space. And it's the best for you, and it's the best for your client. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, it works. Um, in short, it basically works like this. So, as a consultant, value by value based pricing uh, philosophizes that you should be paid for your contribution to the outcome that the client gets. So, um, <clears throat> it's so. You know, in a retail situation or most situations, the de- the deliverables are the focus. So, whatever good you're providing, that determines the cost. But in, uh, and and value based pricing, you're not determining it based on the deliverable. It's it's based on the value provided. So, for example, uh, let's say you came to me and asked me to look at your business and solve some of your problems with marketing or lead generation or something like that, and I would put together a plan. That would create, say, hypothetically, one million dollars uh, worth of revenue for your company. Okay, um, I like that. The value. I like that too. Therefore, the value of my service isn't how much it costs me to do that plan, or my time or my hours. The value of my service is now one million dollars because that's how much I am worth to you. You know, right. dead okay. or alive. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so. Uh, so I'm not selling you like a $10,000 website. Um, I'm selling you a million dollars worth of business growth and value by value-based pricing says, I'm going to charge you, say, you know, 10% of that value. And that's my fee. So my fee for this project is a hundred thousand dollars. That's, that's, that's the way it works in a nutshell.
2: Right. Okay. So basically why wouldn't I pay if I knew that I was going to get a million dollars worth of profit. $10,000 $10,000 is a small price to pay. Or you know, $100,000, right? Or, yeah. Or is it 100000 100000 Oh, uh, yeah. You Sorry. owe me $100,000, Dave. <laughs> well, $10,000 would be good. 100000 is fine, too. <laughs>
1: yeah, because you're getting a million dollars.
2: Yeah. It's really like... even half of that, is, you know, half of a million. And you're going to make another, uh, you know, half a million. That, that still works out. Sure. Yeah.
0: So for this strategy to work, first off... I need to be sure that the, that I'm going to get a million dollars, right? How, how can you assure somebody that my work is going to bring you this type of result?
1: So excellent question. Um, there is a, there is a way that you have to do that. Um, and and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. Um. Uh, but I, but I've, i you know, I first want to mention like why this is the best. This is the best for for both the business and the client it's the, and and that's because the business, you know, so for, you know, for me, for example, if I'm getting a hundred thousand dollars to do a project instead of, you know, $10,000 to do a project, I now have the financial freedom to put my best into this and to ensure that I'm going to actually deliver the value that I'm promising. And so the client is actually getting what they want out of it too, because they are getting a million dollars worth of value And so it's really a win-win for everybody, even though, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely some issues with the strategy and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but.
0: Okay. So, uh, so you're saying if I were to pay you $10,000 to do the same project, um, you would have a little bit more limited resources and now you have to start looking at how many man hours you're putting into this, how much time is being spent, how many revisions you can make. And all of those things are going to limit what kind of results you can actually provide. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: Exactly. So, like, if if you were if you were paying me on a cost plus strategy, the ten thousand dollars, and uh, and all of a sudden you you decided you wanted to call me for thirty minutes a day and have a meeting with me to you know get the get the status of the project, um, I would have a problem with that because this is time that you're taking from me doing my job and you know i would be stressing out about all of the time i'm losing you know and and i would be like i need to get this done and you know all these other clients and, and this stuff like that so i would put limitations on the relationship i'd put limitations on my output i'd put limitations on the actual service i'm delivering because um uh, i'm not really i would feel i'm not being fairly compensated for it and it wasn't in the contract you know all this type of stuff um I would also want to limit like the number of revisions and say, you know, if, if you came to me, I would, I'd probably say, well, you can only revisit, revisit. you can only re- make three revisions. That's basically saying, you know, I'm going to try it three times, you know, and I hope you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not, you know, that's it. That's all you get.
2: Yeah, well that I think that's an interesting point because you're you're saying that time is sort of the unit of measurement of you, that's the output right i'm going to give you so much of my time for this amount of money mm-hmm. versus the other thinking it sounds more like you've got now this vested interest in in your client's goal which is making a million dollars right? right so you aren't you aren't just trying to produce a, a website you're trying to produce a website that generates a million dollars worth of revenue right, right? So, yeah, you're now the time, amount of time you spend in re- revising things is probably, would you say that's different in your mindset now as a someone who's actually doing that work?
1: I think so. I think if I'm getting uh, $100,000 for this project, I have no problem not only taking a 30-minute meeting, but meeting for 90 minutes a day. To sure. go over this and ask every single nuance and really explore the depths of this problem and, and make sure I fully understand exactly how to figure out. Do the testing that's required to to prove that it's going to work. And all of these other things that are you know going to cost a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of energy, a lot of man hours, a lot of um, – or person hours. Do we say man hours anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm but, offended. Yeah. So uh, all of these factors that go into it um, – uh, you know, you are blowing the lid off of any limitation that you're placing on yourself to deliver the best. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So the focus is no longer. Um, I'm going to give you a website, or um, you know, uh, this this finished product. The focus is now the results. Yeah, the results. Of the finished product, and so um, so. It's a whole different way of thinking for you and for your client. True. So because your client is now um, potentially paying a little bit more than they might feel comfortable sure. with or expect to pay it might be a little bit more than what your competitors might charge right um, so their mindset is shifted, but yours is shifted as well where you're no longer focused on, you know, this photo will go here and it looks pretty next to this text. All of that is still important. The design is still important. There's this, and it's more of a strategy that's involved. Um, a lot of market research, a lot of A-B split testing um, and really also a lot, um, a lot of meetings and this expectation that you're going to really have to blow it out of the water, right? You're going to knock your client's socks off.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. I think that, You know, the expectation is, you know, you call me day or night, I'm going to answer, you know, right now I screen my calls because it's probably a telemarketer, but (laughs) yeah. And so earlier you asked if, if this would work for any business and it doesn't work for every business, um, you know, it wouldn't work for a mom and pop, you know, because they're too limited by, uh, their, the competition and getting priced out in their marketplace. And so, uh, it it wouldn't, it wouldn't work for a mom and pop.
2: So one of the things is I work with a, a good number of nonprofits, right? And so they do have specific goals in mind, it's like maybe fundraising types mm-hmm. of things. But um, sometimes the goal is just maybe awareness. Some mm-hmm. you know, so they we, we might work on a project, and really the goal is not a financial number; it's increasing um,
0: awareness, awareness, about awareness about
2: the issue about, about about an issue, or yeah. So
1: that's so nonprofits, this does not work because you have to measure the value in terms of dollars. It has to be a dollar amount because you can't charge a fee based on an intangible, such as awareness. You can't say my fee is 10% of the awareness you get. Right. You know, for value-based pricing to work, you have to charge a fee based on the value you're producing. And if Unless your fee is measured in awareness, <laughs> then your value has to be measured in dollars. Right. So um yeah, so with nonprofits, they have too many uh intangibles like
2: Yeah. So you have to you have to have some sort of tangible uh metric to to measure against.
0: So, you know, a, a nonprofit could um uh, have a fundraising goal in mind though.
2: Yeah, so that in those cases it, it might work, right? It, it it's possible, but uh
1: it'd be really, really hard to sell. And and I'll talk a little bit about what the I'll talk a little bit about like the, the function and mechanics of what has to go into, if you want to do this pricing strategy, what goes into that in a little bit, um, but you have to be able to sell this to a client who will actually buy it. Yeah. And so, so a nonprofit, I don't think, it's not impossible. They have, but it's never going to happen.
0: <laughs> they do have, you know, don't they have to explain their choices, their spending choices to their board of directors and to their donors. And so um, it probably would be a very hard sell to those people, um, even if you do get the results of a $1 million donation goal being met, that they had to spend $100,000 to get it. Although I don't think it would be unreasonable. True. But it would be a
1: hard sell. True. Very true.
0: So there is this other kind of side of value-based pricing that might not be, you know, exactly what I'm uh, – this, n- this number or this goal that I'm going to meet for you. But um, if, if you're selling products or services, you can certainly show that your product has more value than your competitors based on the fact that it's built better or that it's going to last longer – or that it's made out of nicer materials or something like that. Um, sure. Is that
1: – But that's basically cost plus. So the materials, the cost of the materials, say if you know, if you have something that's made out of diamonds, it's going to have a higher value than something that's made out of coal. right?
0: Most of the time. But then you have like designers, fashion designers. Uh, you know the cost to make – um, a pair of jeans is not going to fluctuate that much that I could justify charging a thousand dollars for a pair of jeans versus forty dollars for a cha- pair of jeans.
1: Excellent point. And the fashion designer, the premium brand, is doing value based pricing.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that's you know that's very interesting. I mean, we we kind of know. I want to say like if you go to the grocery store, you you're used to paying a certain price for you know, a loaf of bread or an apple or whatever it is. But, but in the fashion industry, you know, you could pay $20, $40 for a pair of jeans, but then some people do pay hundreds of dollars. Right. And that's not because necessarily it costs that much more to make or the material was different, but that there is some, a certain value that they perce- you perceive that I want to be associated with this brand. I like the way this looks. I'm willing to pay, you know, a pretty good amount more simply because it has a value to me that I'm willing to pay And I think
0: that value is how it makes you feel, how the product makes you feel. And I do think people are willing to pay a premium for having that more, um, the warm, fuzzy feelings, you know, whether it's a service that you're providing and you say, I'm going to charge a little bit more because I am going to give you the best customer service you've ever experienced. You can call me day or night. Um, You're my number one client. You're important to me. And people will pay a premium for that to feel special. We want to feel special.
2: right?
1: Yeah. And I think, and those are good, excellent points because I think, and that's why I wanted to talk about this because, you know, a, a lot of our audience are creative business owners and this really, really, really lends itself well to the fashion designers or anybody who does a creative service because, um. You know, this type of strategy is made for people like us. <laughs> <laughs> so so if you're a business and you're thinking about going for this strategy and you want to make the move into value-based pricing, so there's actually three things that you need to f- figure out. And the first one is you have to be 100% clear on – what your position is, you know, you have to be hundred percent clear on brand positioning. And there's this consultant that I heard in a podcast. He's, he's like a consultant to consultants. His name is Philip Morgan. Um, and he's, he defines positioning as becoming 100% clear on who you serve, what you do for them and how you're different from others providing similar services. And so the first thing you need to do, if you're going to move into this value-based pricing thing is to figure out where you fit into your market and position yourselves accordingly. Um, So, you know, this is for a company that wants to grow big. If you, if you want to grow big, step one is to have brand positioning figured out. I see. Makes sense. So, I mean, there's a few, there's a few benefits of brand positioning. Um, When you specialize when you position yourself as the specialist in the market, you command a higher rate. So think about a doctor. You know, if you go to a doctor, you could go to your, you know, your general family doctor and they'll, they'll help you with, you know, a checkup or a physical or, um, you know, if you have the flu or something like that, or, you know, you need s- some basic medication. But if you have something a little bit more serious, you know, odds are you're going to want to talk to a specialist. And the thing about a specialist is, nobody ever goes to the specialist and then complains that they charge more. You know, you expect right. that they're going to charge more because they're a specialist in whatever field uh, that you need help with.
0: So, Nathan, what are some benefits of positioning yourself as a specialist and having this niche that other people don't have?
1: So, so yeah, in addition to um, commanding a higher rate, you could, you also get the benefit of when you, when you do brand positioning, your clients actually will seek you out because, um, maybe they've tried, you know, for, you know, in in our case, um, maybe they tried, uh, the web designer, maybe they tried the marketing agency and they didn't really get the results they want. So now they're going to look for that expert the person who's like this is the person who's proven to solve my exact needs So like I need help you know my my web designer made a nice looking website my agency made a nice Google ad campaign I need to double my conversion rate you know and and so you might try and find a consultant that knows how to double conversion rates. So whoever has positioned themselves in the field is, You know, I am the, I am the expert at doubling conversion rates. I'm the doubler. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's the person that you, so your clients would actually be looking for you and they'd expect to be, you know, paying you a higher rate and, you know, they're going to find you. Um, And then when you actually get, when you land that business, another benefit is, uh, you know, like if you get that appointment with the specialist, you actually kind of feel lucky. So if you're doing brand positioning right, you feel uh, your clients will feel lucky that they get to do business with you. So okay. it's completely different mindset than selling a commodity, where you sell everything and you try and price it just right, so it's not too much and not too little. But you're trying to sell something that everybody else does too. You know, like with video. You know, if you just sold videos, anybody can make a video on their phone. So. Right. You don't ever want to say, "Oh, I sell videos." You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, because that's not what you do at all. So, you know, y- you position yourself as well. I do this. This is what I do. That's different than videos. Yeah, well, so, yeah. and I would
0: say, you know, in Dave's case, if we were to call him a specialist, I would say Dave specializes in creating inspirational videos that will move people to emotion. And uh, call people to action. So if that's something that you want, then Dave's your guy. You know, sure, your nephew can shoot a video for you on the iPhone, um, <clears throat> and he might even do it for free. But can your nephew get somebody to cry after they watch the video?
1: You can't if you wax him in the leg. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I really I like the this way of thinking because it's not it's about real results that people want versus the tangible thing. Like, yes, I make videos, you make websites, but what we're really doing is, you know, helping to establish an online presence, helping someone to understand a story or feel a certain way or uh, understand a concept, right? So these are things that are a little bit more abstract in a way, but they also have real value for our clients versus just, oh, now I have a website. Now I have a video. right right
0: yeah and I do think sometimes when people come to you and want your product or service and want a proposal, there might be a little bit of time that you need to stop and spend um, helping them understand what it is that they want, right. you know, and oh, what you true. do as opposed to what somebody else does or what you know, so when they sit down and they're comparing proposals, they know, okay, this price is for this type of video that's going to get me this kind of results versus this price is for, a video that is 30 seconds long. (laughs) You know what I'm saying?
1: It it reminds me of the movie As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. You guys remember that movie? Sure, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, And Helen Hunt, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And Greg Kinnear. Yeah, and Greg Kinnear. (laughs) Good old Greg. (laughs) 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 Can't forget about Greg. Uh, Great movie. So I love that movie. I especially love how like, you know, so it's this single mom has a son with all sorts of medical conditions. Her insurance will only pay for terrible doctors, you Mm -hmm, know? mm -hmm. Uh, And, and uh, you know, long story short, she gets access to the specialist and like in one afternoon, he um, basically fixes her son. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) Where it was like, it, it it was such a dramatic difference that it was like my son is disabled, he's dying, he's he can't do anything. He's he's suffering to now he's playing outside. Yeah, you know, right. Dramatic has huge improvement. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that. Like that's the difference between, you know, a you know, just somebody who does a video versus right. somebody who is going to solve your problem and make your life
0: better. So we have to figure <laughs> out What we do differently than other people, how to differentiate ourselves and make ourselves specialists, and then how to educate our clients on what we do and help them decide whether or not that's something that they want or find value in. Mm -hmm. And I think there may also be this process that we'll need to go through of figuring out what is valuable to our clients because maybe what we think it is isn't. And so Even before you create this area of specialization, um, knowing your client base, talking to your existing clients, finding out from them what matters, what problems do you have that you need solved, um, and helping them figure out, too, what direction it is that they want. Why do they want a video? Because sometimes people just know they want a video, um, and there are other deeper reasons that they want it, but they haven't really – explored those reasons or narrowed them down enough to know themselves what they want.
1: Absolutely. So, and, and finding finding what that is, that sweet spot, so a lot of people think, oh, it's just a niche. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not always the right answer. Just niching down isn't always good enough. It has to be a balance between who you are as the consultant, yeah, what you're passionate about what drives you, you know, what you care about. Right. Um and obviously what your expertise is in because you can't just decide up in one day, I am a specialist now.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And something you've never actually done before. Um but also so it's like it's, it's like this convergence of all these different factors, who you are, what you're amazing at, what people want and will pay for, and what 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 you can actually stand out uh, as unique in you know how you can differentiate you know if there's 800 super video consultants that talk about you know making people cry (laughs) (laughs) Uh, then you'll have to further clarify what what makes you different
2: yeah exactly I, i in fact i was just uh listening to a photographer speak about like developing your voice as a creative and really that when you put you have to kind of it is sort of the niching down, but you have to sort of find out who you are. What I have to say. What kind of stuff? What kind of work do I do best? Because what- you can't really be an expert in everything, right? right? So you have right. to find those things. It might be you might even have like a, a you know, a few different things that you're mm-hmm. an expert in, but basically all within this one lane, right? So when you kind of explore that and you really put work out there that all fits this sort of thing, that's when people say like, "Oh, I know your style. I know what you do. I know you're the person that did this for that person. I want you to do that for me." Right? Versus if it's just like, "Well, I do websites. I do video, you know." Then they then you have to prove, "Well, this is what I've done in the past, all those things." Versus like, "Oh, you're the guy that shoots like this or you're the guy that, you know, converts every person that comes to the website
1: right. And a lot of people get to this point and when they get when they get to point number two, they realize it's a little bit of a challenge because uh, a lot of a lot of business owners will resist um, this strategy mm. and it's because of the the second point, which is you have to be willing to turn away business. Mm. So basically if people come to you, because they want that style, yeah, and they come to you and say, "Hey, I know you want that style, but hey, I just need a a quick little video of my dog walking through the through the yard and going potty." <laughs> <laughs> you have to be willing to find the courage to tell that person, "No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna shoot that video. You know, that's not what I do." <laughs> <laughs> All right, I mean, but seriously, like. A lot of people ourselves included when it comes to like we've spent a lot of time trying to find out like what our sweet spot is. who who do we help? And I think we've got like 20 different niches <laughs> right yeah <laughs> And uh, <clears throat> you know it, when it comes to to the point of like somebody actually the phone rings, somebody's saying, hey, I want you, I've got money uh, and you have to say, I'm sorry. You know, that's, that's hard for a lot of businesses to do and you have to do that. So we have this client, um, his name's Andrew Walter. Uh, he, he was a house painter and, uh, you know, I told him I was going to share this on, on the podcast. He said, that's fine. But, um, so anyway, he, he did this and he's, he's a brilliant businessman, but, uh, so he, he was a, a house painter and then he started developing like pain when he was going up and down the ladder and he was like, I can't do this forever. He, 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 uh, he just decided like I'm only going to focus on pa- painting cabinets. All I do is cabinet painting now, and um, so he he had a wait, very wait. What
0: if I want you to come in and paint my cabinets, and while you're there, can you also paint the kitchen walls?
1: He says no. Mm. He says no, and he said that it was very hard to do that. But he just told me this a couple weeks ago. Like I'm so thankful that I said no because. He, he had a pretty successful painting business he's making over you know six figures doing that but when he um <clears throat> when he started saying no and started specializing and say i only do cabinet painting uh his business bloomed up to a million dollar business wow and it was amazing so now he's not only not hurting himself going up and down ladders all the time but he specializes and focuses on this one area he continually gets better and better at that And the benefit is, is rather than being a rock star at cabinet painting and being pretty good at house painting, he's now only doing what he's a rock star at. So all he gets is five star reviews. And so since his industry is really dependent on like reviews and Yelp and Angie's List and all that, the more he specializes in what he's a rock star at, it's like review, review. He says, my phone is ringing off the hook. So by saying no to those projects... You actually help your brand, you help your positioning and you position yourself in a way that you're going to grow a lot faster, a lot better. It's such a counterintuitive way of thinking, but it's really, it really works.
2: Yeah. That makes sense. And I know, you know, not to go too much down the niching down, um, path here, but it really ties in well to this because, um, when you are, when you do have that, like, I'm just specializing in cabinet painting. Now you're not fighting against that broad market of house painters and the painters that are going to paint everything, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz now so even though you've eliminated potential customers, you're able to di- differentiate differentiate yourself for the person that wants I my project is I need you to paint cabinets, right? Mm-hmm. So why would I pay somebody that's, you know, mediocre at doing everything? I want the cabinet specialist. That's all I'm ca- I care about now. If I do want my whole house painted and cabinets painted and all that stuff, well, then I'll have to go somewhere else, right? But you know, you can charge a premium because you you are an expert in that field. I know that my cabinets are going to be done right, and if that's if that's the project I have, why wouldn't I hire you instead of someone who's just a generalist? Mm -hmm.
0: Right. And by the way, can I just throw in a plug there for Andrew Walter? If you live in the Pacific Northwest area in Washington State and you need a cabinet painter. Google Sound Finish Cabinet Painting. They will do an awesome job for you.
1: Nice. Yeah, the amazing thing is um, one of the most impressive things that he he was able to do is by focusing only on this one thing and completely giving all of his effort into this one thing, he streamlined it to such a degree that he can do the whole job in three days. So... Most if, – if somebody comes off the street, oh, I'll paint your, you know, siding and, and your bathroom and your cabinets. Well, how long is it going to take? Uh, a couple weeks, you know. Mm. <clears throat> and so he's like, well, no, we have this special painting shop that there's no dust. Your, your painter is going to do it in his garage.
0: Or your garage. Or your mm-hmm.
1: garage where you can't go in there and it's going to get dust. You know, so he's got it dialed in to such a degree that when you niche down and specialize – and become this expert of this one thing, you figure out um, a process, you figure out a process, a system, uh, insights and just, you know, hacks and efficiencies of way to do it way better than anybody else.
0: So how does his pricing compare?
1: His pricing is many, many factors more expensive than other people. Like he'll go up to, you know, he told, he said, I, I just talked to a lady she said, you know, the next lowest bid was about one-fifth of what you charge. Mm. And and he goes, yeah, well, you know, uh, I understand and, and, you know.
0: You can hire that person if you'd right. like.
1: Yeah, it's totally your choice. You know, mm-hmm. here's what we offer and, you know, we'll be done two, three. You know, his, his efficiencies are the selling point. It's like, exactly. wait a minute, I'm going to be totally done with this in a couple, you know, 72 hours rather than. You know, six weeks later, I'm still looking at my plates.
0: (laughs) And they probably aren't done well, right? Right. How many, I mean, we had our cabinets painted once by a regular painter and found, you know, that we needed to touch it up. A lot.
1: We tried to get Andrew to do it. He wouldn't come to California.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. But yeah. So, and then he also has the warranty too, because he's created these efficiencies. Mm -hmm. He does it right. So he does it quickly and he does it with a warranty. He'll stand by his work. Uh, You know, it's going to be done right.
1: So, so there's this mindset that's like resistant to turning away business, turning away clients. But- you also underestimate the number of people that it actually takes to grow big. You know, if you get a smaller pool of clients that are uh, paying you higher fees, you you only need that smaller pool. You don't need as many clients as you thought you did. before.
2: Right. Well, and I think you know the other thing too is that it's not like just trying to see well how much can I charge, like how how high can I jack up my prices. Right. It's more about saying, what value do I want? My customers to walk away with, okay, well, what's a reasonable rate to charge for that? So, if you want your customers to have long lasting finish on their cabinet, you want the, it to be done well, you want them to be back in their kitchen within a few days, well, then a reasonable price to pay for that would be this where I can make a, a good living, they can be happy and feel like it's worth it, you know, like they're going to be, you know, five, 10, seven years down the road and still like, wow, these still look great, you know? And you know, those, those, that's a, that's a value that's commensurate with what you're providing. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and I think one of the keys is when you turn away business, you don't just be all like superior and say, Oh, we don't do that. You know, click. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You say, Hey, we don't do that. I'm going to help you find somebody that can help you, you know, sure. mm-hmm. thank you so much for calling me. I, I'm turning, turning down that type of work right now, but, um, here's, here's what I do. If you want that, I can help you, but I'm going to help you find somebody, you know, so it's, you know, as a consultant, you got to be humble. You have to still be mm-hmm. kind and you have to be helpful. Cause that's, that's why we all kind of got into the consulting business anyway, because we just wanted to help people. Right. Sure. So there's a there's a wrong way to turn away business, and that's by thinking, oh, I'm a specialist now, so I'm superior, and I don't need your business, so be gone.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just about finding a good fit. Exactly. So number three is – you already touched on this earlier, Dave, but uh, you have to – and you touched on it earlier than that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to prove – you're worth the value-based pricing fees that you're going to be charging.
2: How do you do that? Yeah.
1: How do you do that?
0: I think you have to have already done it before. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, case studies, testimonials, people vouching for you. You know, I think that when you get into this niche and you said earlier, you know, when you have this um, area of specialization, people are going to want to talk to you. It's, it's not because you tell everybody I can do this. It's because other people have said about you, they can do this. And so you get, you know, you nail it once and make someone so happy that they tell all their friends. Then once, once other people are vouching for you that you can do this uh, and you consistently do it, everything else is going to fall into place.
2: Yeah. Yeah. When you, when a client comes to you uh, and you say like, well, let me tell you about this a story where I did something similar for someone else. And here's, here's what they were after and here's what we did. And here's how it, you know, succeeded. Right. Right. And then they can, that, then it just kind of all falls into place and clicks and says, Oh, okay, well, you know, I, I want something similar to that. And I'll, I'm that price you're asking is completely fair. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Yeah. So the bottom line is you can't, we're not telling anyone to overpromise and underdeliver or oh, no. to tell to say you can do this when you haven't actually done it. Mm-hmm. Um you should already know what you can deliver on and you know whenever possible err on the side of judgment of you know underpromise and overdeliver rather than the other way around.
1: Yeah. So like when you when you are going to price this out and tr- and try and sell this to a client you have to Uh, you have to prove what you're worth. And so you can't use a hypothetical, you can, you know, uh, you can't say, well, say 5% of the market buys, you know, you're a millionaire, you know, (laughs) right? Sure. (laughs) You have to use actual data. And the way you get that data is the customer, your your client has to tell you that data, those figures. So if you're going to transition into this, you can't just do it overnight. You have to ease your way into this. And, and this is especially one of the reasons for that is because it's very hard to uh, to take an existing client and transition them to this value-based pricing strategy. Because you can't go up to your client who's been your client for years and say, you know, hey, look, I know you're used to paying me this level of right. of fees based on this level of service. But now, you know, my fees are significantly higher. They're going to be tempted to say – you just raised your price by a thousand percent, and you know, see ya. <laughs> uh, so you have to have that relationship, and hopefully, you know, if you're in the consulting business, you have that strong relationship with people where existing clients are actually a great um, <clears throat> uh, way to test this and just say, hey, what would you think about this if 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 we looked at it this way? And so you can, as you're beginning to make that move, you can tr- take your trusted relationships and and. And just kind of test the waters and say, what would you think about this? And just ask questions and and see see what people um, are, are receptive to or not. But right. I think the easiest way to do it is after you've positioned yourself um, and somebody seeks you out, then you can uh, sell it on the value. And the way you do that is by asking the client the questions. So, for example, if somebody says, hey, Dave, I need a video, mm-hmm. you could say, okay, well – Well, why do you need this video? You know, try and figure out, you know, so it's, there's, there's a series of questions um, that, that will really help them tell you what the value actually is. So they are going to tell you what the value of the project is. And so uh, if they say, well, this video will, you know, double conversions, you know, for example, um, then you would ask something like, you know, Hey, if, so if you were to double your conversions, what would that look like? for your company in terms Mm -hmm. of dollar amount. So you have to figure out that dollar amount. And, you know, as we said earlier, all value is measured in dollars for, for, for this to work. So your client will say, you know, okay, well, if we doubled our conversions, that would be an extra $500,000 a year in revenue. Mm -hmm. So they've just told you the value of this project, you know, so this is the value that you can give them. If, if you do the video, they double conversions. You, uh, You just are going to give them $500,000, but then you don't stop there. You ask them, okay, well, what, what, what are you going to do? So you make that $500,000 extra dollars. What are you going to do with that? And they'll say, well, you know, last year it was a recession. Uh, We had a company-wide salary freeze and, and we couldn't give raises to the team. So I would, I would definitely give everybody a raise this year, bump up their salary. And so, you know, at that point, if you have a healthy amount of business acumen, which I know you both do, you you now know that uh, it's not just you know he's gonna take this five hundred thousand dollars and use it as seed capital to invest in his team mm-hmm. and that will pay its own dividends uh, in the terms of you know, loss of turnover, loss of employees, um, it costs a fortune to hire people, train them. Get them up to speed, especially if they're really great people. So what you're going to do for him is going to save him, uh you know, lots of money in terms of that arena, but you can't factor that into your fee. It's also going to make him feel good being a good employer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because he's taking care of his team. Um But you can't factor that into the value. All you can factor into your value for your fee is based on, that $500,000, which he told you. So that's proven, you know, that if you do the video, he doubles conversions, you get that money.
2: Because that's what you're actually delivering is that, that 500,000 revenue, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what you're bringing to the table. That's what you're worth. So, I mean, it seems to me too, that there's a potential hurdle sometimes because like you're saying with existing clients, you know, you have a a existing relationship where it's, you do x amount of work i pay you x amount of dollars right but there's opportunities i think sometimes when you might see a potential that a client has a a different goal or a new project or something that they want to do to expand or develop their business in a new way where um i think you know what what could be difficult is if you haven't been at that partner level yet where um you're just providing a service and they pay you x amount of dollars Um, you know, there's a potential where you could say like, Hey, this is, I'm really excited about this new opportunity that you're, you know, looking to jump into, would you be willing to kind of partner up on this? Because if they're not willing to kind of pulling back the curtain to say, yeah, I expect to make $500,000 off this thing, you know, they might not want to show you the numbers or they might not want to reveal how much they're trying to get. Right. But if you can say, look, let's, let's, I'm going to want to be invested in this project. And I want to also make sure that what I'm doing is a good fit for you too. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the other thing maybe is being able to somehow say that I want to do my due diligence that make sure I'm not overcharging you. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it, that could be another potential too. Like if you're not getting the bang for your buck here. Right. So yeah, basically when you're in this model, you really want to partner with your clients to make sure that they're getting the value that they're seeking. Right. And that all the efforts that we're doing to help them are really worth it for them.
0: Absolutely. Well
2: said.
1: Well, what do you guys think? That's the value of value-based value pricing.
2: What do you think?
0: I think uh, it makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah, really it does. From I think both, both from a client and a service provider uh, aspect.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, but I, I do think there's a way to do it well, and there's times when you should do it and there's times when you shouldn't. And you got to have the wisdom to know when.
2: True.
1: Yeah. And how. And now that you've watched this podcast, hopefully you know whether or not you should or shouldn't. <laughs> so, do you guys have any inspiration for this week?
0: I heard a quote this morning that I liked a lot. It was from Napoleon Hill, and it was something like A goal is a dream with a deadline.
2: A goal is a dream with a deadline. Yeah. I have lots of dreams. and need some more okay. deadlines. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's funny because we think about, you know, dreams are a lot more exciting than goals. And goals sometimes feel like a labor to work on and to sit down and to write out. But um, when you put it that way, that it's it's your dream with a deadline on it, it sure does seem a little bit more motivating to sit down and to plan and to hold yourself accountable for your dreams.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah I, th- I think we could do a whole episode on goals, uh, especially because I don't know if it's just me, but I think for creatives in general, or maybe just me, but I think <laughs> that this idea of setting goals is,
2: is too painful.
1: yeah Yeah, right right. because when
2: you don't meet it right that's that's the trick right is to be able to have that goal but know how that if you have to adjust it um you're still still striving for that target um and maybe you have to adjust a little bit but you're still keeping yourself accountable
1: yeah that's how i i resolved within my own you know soul of like how i can embrace goal setting is, is 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 exactly like that it's like it's like you're sailing a ship to a harbor, and so you make a goal, and so you know your destination, where you're going, and the whole process of getting there, you might have to cor- course correct. You know, wind's gonna bl- wind will blow you off course. Absolutely, you're going to have to make some adjustments the whole way. Whereas, it's not just some linear. You know, here's my dream. I will complete it by the deadline of next Tuesday, and then when Tuesday comes and you haven't done anything or haven't done much, you feel like, oh, my dream's dead, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you just think, okay, I'm going to move that direction, keep moving in that direction, and if I don't make it by the deadline, I'm just going to cross out my deadline and make a new deadline (laughs) next, next Tuesday.
2: Well, and especially with real ambitious dreams and goals, sometimes you don't really know what all is involved. So you you set something and then you maybe reevaluate down the way.
0: Sure. And when you have a really big dream, you need to break it down into smaller, more achievable little bites of steps.
1: Yes, that's really good. All right. Well, I think we definitely should do a podcast on goals. You guys tell us what you think. Should we do one on goals? Yeah. Um, Anyway, thanks for joining us today. It was a lot of fun, and we'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for joining us. Bye. Thanks for spending time with us at the Extremely Valid Points podcast. To learn more about this episode, see our show notes at ExtremelyValidPoints.com. Be sure and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you download your podcasts. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Extremely Valid. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at EVP underscore podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time with some extremely valid points.